was. I see your hands, your feet. My Savior, you are cursed, so I can be blessed by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
Pray. 
scripture pastor Ian I know it says uh, blessed are those the feet of him who bring good news announcing peace proclaim the news of happiness and our God reigns amen hallelujah glory to God blessed be the name of the Lord hallelujah let me just read this verse before we sit and before we go to the word in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse um, well let's just read it from verse 7 for God has not given unto us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sung mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He had saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us before the world began. Before the world began, God had a call on your life. God had saved you, healed you, delivered you, glorified you, perfected you, completed everything about your life so that in the realm of the Spirit, everything was finished. And God had given you purpose and He has given you grace to accomplish it all. All of it was done before the war, before time began but has now been revealed or unveiled. It now comes out. It now comes forth. It has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. The moment you got born again and Jesus appeared in your life, the salvation, the wholeness, the call of God, the purpose of God, and the grace to get it all done began. That whole process began in your life. And as you continue in God and Christ that is in you is unveiled and you begin to function in that life for it is no longer you that live but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ. And as that life of Christ in you becomes unveiled then what we will have is much, much, much more of the reality of the call. Much, much, much more of the reality of the salvation and the wholeness and the deliverance and the preservation and the glorification and the perfection. And it's much, much, much more an alignment with the purpose of God. And it's so very much more of the abundance of grace that begins to flow to bring all that God has ordained for you to come to pass. But it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death, having tasted death for every man, that no longer should you live the rest of the days of this life having the fear of death hanging over you. But that has come to an end. And he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has brought life, the very life of Christ, eternal life, that is now your inheritance. That is now abiding within your spirit. He has brought that to the surface. He has made that a reality. 
not only that, but immortality and immunity both to death and by virtue, sickness and disease. It has all now come to light. How? Through the gospel. But what is the gospel? The gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, when God called me from my mother's womb, it was to reveal his son in me, and that I might preach him revealed in me to the Gentiles. And the one that is revealed in you, it is Christ. It is that life. And the unveiling of that life causes all of the fullness of God and the destiny and the plan and the purposes and the grace and all of it to come together. And with it, an immortality, an immunity to sickness, to disease. You see, your physical body has not yet put on immortality. For it says, when Jesus returned, this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall put on immortality. And death shall be swallowed up in victory. Now that day has not yet come for this physical to put on incorruption and to put on immortality. But as of right now, you, you're, within your spirit, you have all of the immortality that you will ever have. Your spirit has been perfected forever by the sacrifice of Christ. There is no death in your spirit. And there is an immunity to death within your spirit. Your spirit has been perfected forever. It's not going to be any more perfect when it gets to heaven. For whom he has predestined, he has called. And whom he has called, whom he has predestined, he has called. And who he has called, he has also justified. And whom he has justified, he has also glorified. So in the realm of the spirit and within your spirit, it's already done. It's already finished. But now there is a work to be done which is the working out of our salvation, the working out of these things, and being established in the reality of that eternal life and nature that is in you, and being established in the righteousness, the oneness that you have with God in Christ, and being aligned with purpose. Amen? So today, as we go to part four of this teaching, which is purpose, eternal life, and righteousness, part four, we're going to focus particularly on how on four steps for you to develop the conscious awareness of these things. Amen? Because we say faith without works is dead. We say that it is not just by knowledge, but you got to have action. But action begins in your thinking. Action begins in your imagination. Before the woman of the issue of blood ever left her house and took off, to decide she was going to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She had already taught and had conceived it within her mind. After that, she heard there was this man that is, and people are getting healed. She had conceived in her mind, if I could but uh, touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She conceived that before she ever, before Jesus ever showed up. Amen? Well, you too, you must also have that conception. You must also have the reality of certain truths within your mind before you will ever have manifestation. Until you, unless you see it, you cannot have it. But here we're going to talk today, and we're going to come to the place where you can see it. Amen? You believe that? Amen. Let's have a seat. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. Did I say part four? No, this is part three. <laughs> four keys to develop conscious awareness. Now, God wants you to get results. God wants you to get results. 
God wants you to have manifestation. God wants you to have fulfillment of the promises of God. It must not be a dream of somewhere, but it must become your reality and your experience. Why is it that God wants that? Well, number one, because he loves you. You loving your children, you desire good things for them. God loves you, and God's heart towards you is such that he wants these things fulfilled in your life. The scripture says in Psalms 84 and verse 11, that there is no good thing that he withholds from them that walk uprightly. And quite accurately, there is no good thing that he withholds from them that walk upright in the truth of the gospel. So God wants you to have manifestation. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, God has given us richly all things to what? To enjoy. It says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. In other words, God gets excited when you prosper. God gets excited. God gets happy. God gets, God gets pleasure out of your prosperity. God was boasting about the prosperity of Job to Satan. Amen? Well, God wants to boast concerning you, the blessings of the Lord that has been manifested in your life. Also, to why is it that God wants you to have great results? Number, also, number two, because when you get good results, when you get great results, he is glorified. God looks good. John 15, verse 8, herein is the Father glorified, that you would what? Bring forth much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. God is honored when you, when you bring forth fruit. It says in Psalm 67, it says in Psalm 67 and verse 2, that God's will and desire is that his saving health might be known among all nations. God wanted to be known everywhere. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be glorified. God wants everyone everywhere to know that he is good, that his mercy endures forever, that he is a healer. He wants it to be known that he, his healing power to be made known. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So God is glorified. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, God's eyes are going to unfold throughout the earth, looking for that one whose heart is right towards him, that one that will trust him, that one that will believe him, that one that will walk with him. God is looking for the one whose heart is right towards him show, so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. God wants to manifest his goodness in your life. Look at Psalms 92. Verse 13 to 15. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit, that's harvest, in old age. And they shall be fresh and flourishing. Who want to be flesh? Fresh. Fresh. <laughs> fresh. <laughs> they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. In other words, then, they are going to be a living memorial to show that the Lord is upright and the Lord is faithful, that he keeps his promises, that he watches of his word to perform it, and that he is good and that he is gracious. Amen? 3 John 2 says, your prosperity. 3 John 2, this whole issue about, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's not our idea. We did not initiate that. That's God's idea, and that's God's desire, that you would be in health, and that you would prosper. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He even tells us how these things can be accomplished. 
He says in Psalms 50 verse 23, that when you order your conversation aright, he will show and demonstrate his salvation, his wholeness, and his deliverance. When you order your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your actions to be in line with his word, he says, I'm going to demonstrate salvation. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to manifest it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't press into the mold and the shape and the thinking of the world. Don't be like them, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to prove, 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 experience what is his good, perfect, and acceptable will. Why would God tell us how to prosper, how to live in divine health, and don't, don't want us to be. That would be absurd. Amen? Hallelujah. The scripture says, by one man's offense, which is Adam, death came upon all. But how much more? They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as a king in this life through Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say, God wants me blessed. God wants me prosperous. God wants me healed. God wants me to get good results. Amen. It makes him look good. <laughs> Amen. If you were God, wouldn't you want to look good? I mean, come on, man. People are telling all kinds of lies on God. I mean, there's an earthquake or there's some tragedy. They call it an act of God. Man, like, you know, God is giving them this sickness to teach them something. I mean, God is getting blamed for all kinds of stuff. Well, he needs to be credited for his goodness, for his mercy, for his kindness. And he wants you to be his billboard. Are you with me? Hallelujah. He wants you to be his witness, the evidence, the evidence to your family, the evidence to, to, to in your work environment, the evidence to the world of what? His goodness and his loving kindness. Let me show you a verse of scripture. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse, verse, from verse 4. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up together with Christ, and he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, so that in the ages to come, say the ages to come, he might show, demonstrate the exceeding great riches of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So God said he did all of that. Raised you up together with Christ. Made you sit at his right hand. So that in the ages to come, you will be a living demonstration of his grace and his loving kindness towards you. And he said that in the ages to come, this would happen. But you know what? He said he, this was written ages ago. So what does that mean? The ages have come. Since here and now. Amen. That was back then. Well, it's now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God wants you to be a demonstration of his great goodness. Amen. Now, this is important. God is concerned about those that are lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. The very essence of the, of the, of, of the, 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 um, the mission of the gospel and, and all of that is to reach the lost. 
Well, how is the God going to do that? He does it through us. And when we, do not, when we have a testimony that turns people off, that makes people think, well, if that's your God, I'm not interested. That doesn't help. But when you have a testimony where somebody says, man, I'm going to follow you home. I want to know who is your God. So the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are some people that will not listen to the gospel and will not come to Christ until they can taste and see the goodness of God coming through your life. So you owe it to them and you owe it to God even more than you do to yourself. Say, I've got to prosper. i got to live in divine health. The blessings of the Lord must be manifest in my life. Glory to God. You are the epistles of Christ to be read of all men. Amen? All right. Now, by reason of the new birth, there were certain things that took place. By reason of the new birth that came as a result of the sacrifice of Christ when you believed on him. You were called into fellowship and into an intimate relationship with God, the creator of the universe. You were called into intimacy and fellowship and union and oneness with him. Now there are some things that you need to know and develop within your consciousness in order to have the very promises of God fulfilled in your life. And I'm going to begin to talk about some of those things. So you, you need to capture these things. Let these things impress you, make, a, make an imprint on, 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 the, uh, on the fabric of your mind, so to speak. You, by the new birth, you've come into the intimate participation and fellowship and union with God Almighty. And Christ, in whom is the fullness of the Godhead, is inside of you. Which means the fullness of the Godhead is also inside of you. You have Christ on the inside of you. God is on the inside of you. And all that God is, is on the inside of you. All that Jesus is and has is on the inside of you. When God gave you Jesus, he also gave you all things. No wonder you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. No wonder you have received all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It was a package deal. You like package deals? Amen? You got a package deal. But man, this is the full package. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you got Jesus and everything else. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But you got to know this. Say, I know this. This is why the truth of the word of God says that here is the mystery of the riches of this glory. This is what this, it is. This is what it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean? Christ in you is the confident expectation that you can have of the manifestation of the goodness of God. Christ in you is the confidence that you can have that I'm going to have manifestation. Hallelujah. When you are facing, that someone right now might be facing some bad doctor's report, cancer or something like that. Well, Christ in you is the confidence that you can have that you're going to beat that thing and you're going to come out victorious. Are you with me? All right. Now, here is the deal. All of the blessings of the Lord are connected to the purpose, 
to the eternal life and to the righteousness. All of the blessings, all of the provisions, all of the grace mm, is connected to the purpose of God, the eternal life that is in you, Christ, in you, the hope of glory, and the righteousness, the oneness that you have with God in Christ. Let's talk about the purpose just a little bit. All of the inheritance. Now, why is this, this? This is so important. Now, we've had two sessions on this. I'm not going back there. But just to inject a few things. Why is it so important? I mean, this purpose, everything else is all connected up. The blessings, the glory, the, 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 the promises, the, the grace, it's connected up to this purpose. So if we ignore the purpose, then, man, we're we, 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 we separating ourselves. I mean, we're not going to have the guarantee of this other stuff. All of the inheritance is connected to the purpose of God. The word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 3. It says that you were born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again. I mean, he got us born again. To what? To a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What for? To an inheritance. Say inheritance. To an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that does not fade away, that is reserved in the realm of the spirit for you. Now, every good thing is connected to that inheritance. The unsearchable riches of Christ are connected to that inheritance. That inheritance is spiritual, it is financial, it is healing, it is the authority, the name of Jesus, all of that is connected to that inheritance. Now, that inheritance, it's all yours. And it's already been deposited in your spiritual bank account. It is part of the every spiritual blessing that is in your spirit that is in Christ. It is part of all of the, um, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You already have it all. But guess what? It's in this account, so to speak, and you got to get with withdrawals. But it is released to you. You know, sometimes um, someone can have a, a, a you can have a, a, a young child and the child has been born, has been born into to, to some, to an, an, an immense inheritance. But part of the terms of that inheritance, even though it belongs to that child, is that that inheritance cannot be released to that child until that child comes to so-so-so age or until certain things are in place. Well, all of this inheritance is released to you in accordance to purpose. All right? In other words, when we don't line up with purpose, then that inheritance is yours, but, 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 but it's hard to make the withdrawal. That is why it says that, anyway, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you that inheritance. I just don't want to go off too far. Let me stay here. Sorry about that. So Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. You've obtained it. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So, this inheritance is all yours. All of it is available. All of it, it's, all, it's all yours, but it is released according to purpose. Now, 
Here again is how, crit how critical this purpose issue is. It will say in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Things happen in life, good and bad. But all things will work together for good for them that love God, that are called according to his purpose. So when we are not in line with purpose, there certainly is no guarantee that, that some particular thing is going to work together for good. But when you are in line with purpose, then all things can work together for good. So, purpose, say purpose. Now let me zero in on purpose some more so that it is not vague and that there's a clarity to it. The purpose of God will, will, will comes right down to the will of God. Say the will of God. Which is the very reason for your existence. You know, I've said this before, but when you can, when you get a, 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 a particular, uh, let, let's say, you know, these stuff that comes, in, comes that you order from Amazon and then you got to assemble it together, man, you better follow the instructions. <laughs> are you with me? Well, there's some things in your life, the blessings of the Lord, and here are the instructions. You got to follow the instructions. When you, you, when something is used, in harmony with its, with, its, with, 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 with its intent, with its purpose, that's when it works right. You go use a screwdriver as a hammer, you're going to bend it. You're going to damage it. So when you try to live your life for what it was not intended, it's not going to work right. But when your life is lined up with purpose, the reason for its existence, things are going to begin to work together for good. Inheritance, stuff that you need will come in place. You will be in the right place at the right time. So the very cent centrality of this issue of purpose is the will of God. Your existence is for the will of God. And the will of God is Christ living in you and through you. That's, what it, that's why you were here. Christ living in you, that is why you came here. That is why you were born. That is why God created you. So that his son can live in you and through you and you could be the extension of him in the earth. Are you with me? Let, 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 me, um, let, me, let me let me just jump forward a little bit here. Imagine you are really, really one with God. Submitted, yielded, abandoned to him. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. The life you now live, it's the life of Christ. You're living by the faith of the Son of God. And this is your reality. You're living this stuff. What would it look like? Practically, let's lower it down. What you want should now always be in line with what God wants. Because it's about his will now, eh? Your calling in life is to express the will of the Father. You are to literally live out the desires of the Father, of your Heavenly Father. And that is why John 4, 34 is going to say, this is your meat. This is your strength. This is where it comes from. It's doing the will of God. You are to manifest the glory, the kingdom the glory and the righteousness of the very kingdom of God that is within you. That's your job. That's your assignment. That's your calling. That is your, that's why you are here. That's the reason for your existence. And quite frankly, that's your occupation and profession. Your profession is not that of a doctor or this or that or whatever that is. Your profession is living for God. 
and letting him live through you. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, what happens if you don't know? In fact, no, before we go there, let, let, let's just put this together a little further. The scripture says in Romans 6, verse 3, Galatians 3, 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20. I'm just going to put them all together in one package. Is that okay? It says, do you not know that when you were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ? And that you're not your own. You were bought with a price. You now belong to God. Therefore, God is to be glorified in you. That's it. That there is a little snapshot of, of, of this purpose. This is why it will say in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3 that this is the will of God concerning you even your sanctification, your separation unto him. You know, when we go far back and we say, before the Lord formed you in the womb, he knew you. When it goes back and say, um, from Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I what? Sanctified you, which means what? I separated you unto myself. Hmm. So, you and I must come to the place where we are living for the purpose of God in order for that inheritance to be made manifest and for a lot of it to be released. We must make it a priority to be aligned with purpose. Okay, amen? All right. But then, there's, then there is the eternal life, which is the life that you now live, the life you now live, which is eternal life, it is the life of Christ. This eternal life, God had promised it from before the foundation of the world. But it came into manifestation when you accepted Jesus. Titus 1 verse 2. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why? That you might have what? Eternal life. This life is, his, is, is the life of his son. 1 John 4 9 says, Herein is the love of God manifested. It was manifested so that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that you might live through him. What do you mean live through him? It doesn't mean being alive. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that are, have nothing to do with God and they're alive. But it means that you might live the life that comes through Christ. Well, the life that comes through Christ is the life of Christ, and it is eternal life. God says that is why his son was manifested. That is why he sent Jesus to the cross, so that you can have that eternal life. You can live that life. That life could be in you, and that life could function through you. As the life functions through you, basically, it is also saying that Jesus might live in you, but also live through you. And that is where the maturity stuff comes in. That is where being skillful in righteousness, in this oneness, comes in. Letting him, not just that he's here, but that he might live through you. Amen? I was in a meeting, just actually it was as recent as yesterday. And in this meeting, in, in, a, in another place, the Lord gave me a word to share. And it was basically to, 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 it was basically to let them know that eternal life is the confidence. That eternal life is the confidence. Let me share that word with you. First epistle of John chapter 5. 
First Epistle of John, chapter 5, reading from verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I write unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you will continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. Wonderful. Now quite often that scripture is taught in this context, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I just, say, I just believe it is not the central higher truth that God wants to communicate. And this is the way it's taught and it's valid. Which is, picking it up right in the middle of verse 40, which is this. This is the confidence. That if we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have those petitions that we desire of him. So we find a scripture that says this is the will of God. I'm asking according to this scripture. Therefore, I can believe, I receive, I got it, it's going to be done. All right. But let's look a little bit closer than this. This whole passage, if we were to go way back, was talking about eternal life. This life is in the Son. If you have the Son, you have this eternal life. And, even, and then Paul, John goes on to say in verse 16, look here, look here, brethren. I'm writing these things to you. These things are written to you. You who believe on the name of the Son of God. You who are already born again. I'm writing it to you that you might know that you have eternal life. That you might know that you have eternal life. This is why I'm writing it. It's about this eternal life. That you might know and have the conscious awareness that you have this eternal life. Because it appears as if you don't. Even though you are born again. And many Christians, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking. But they do not have the conscious awareness that they have this eternal life. So he says, I'm writing these things that you might know that you have eternal life. And that you would continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, therefore, now, this is the confidence. Stop right there. If we stop it right there, this Bible is not written with chapter and verse and comma and full stop. You see, God is not like us. You and I, when we talk, we got to take a breath. Because we run out of air. You know me. I, I, I say a couple of words after a while. I got to pause, put a comma. But God doesn't have to do that. God could speak. I heard a singer the other day was carried a note. Oh, and he wouldn't stop. Well, let me tell you something. God can speak. God could speak this whole Bible and never take a breath. He doesn't have to pause. He, he, for our sake, he might need to pause. <laughs> so, this is what it says. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life. And that you might continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence. What is the confidence? That you have eternal life. Are you with me? This is the confidence that you have eternal life. And that we have, that we have this is the confidence that we have in him. And th no, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will. Well, first of all, for me to ask according to his will, the whole thing about eternal life is that it's no longer I, but it's Christ that liveth in me, isn't it? The very essence of eternal life is I've been crucified. I am not here. It's not me. It's the life of Christ. 
And whatever I ask according to what? Whose will? His will. His will is really, really his will. It's not my will for him. It's not what I think. It's not what I desire. It's not what I want. It's his will. Now, thank God when, when I'm so aligned with him, his will becomes my will. But this is talking about the will of God, and, that, and you can be confident that whatever you ask according to that will of God, because of this eternal life, this is where you're functioning from. So the confidence is in that eternal life. Say, I got confidence. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 is going to say, it's going to say, this I say therefore and I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. The Gentiles, the people that are without God, they're not born again. Their mind is aimless. They're, they don't, they're, 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 their imagination is, is void. They are futile. They are vain in their mind. They don't have eternal life. They don't know nothing about eternal life. It's not a reality to them. Don't be like them. Walking in the vanity of your mind. Don't be like them. Having their understanding darkened. Must not have your understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Because if you got a life of God inside of you, you're born again, you have the life of God inside of you. If you do not have understanding and, uh, and that awareness of you that you have this life, you're going to be chopped off from it. It's going to be there, but it will not be functional. You won't be able to take advantage of it. And, and, and so don't be like the Gentiles. You need to know and be aware that you've got this eternal life. That's why John says, look here. This is the confidence. You need to know that you have this eternal life. This is the confidence. And if as a believer, you've got this eternal life, but you don't have the understanding, you don't have the awareness, then you become alienated from the life. You're an alien to it. It's right here. And then it will go on to say, because of what? Because of the ignorance. What is ignorance? Lack of knowledge. But people perish for lack of knowledge. And the hardness of heart. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now you see, this. why is it you will perish? Having eternal life here, but you're separated from it. Because of ignorance, because of lack of understanding, because inside that eternal life that is in your spirit is all of the healing, all of the power, all of the wholeness, resurrection. It's all in there. Remember, when he gave you Jesus, he gave you all things. Inside your body and spirit is everything. Every provision, every grace, it's right there. So if you chopped off from that life, you chopped off from, this, from all of that stuff. Which means you're chopped off from the healing power that is in your spirit. And then you perish just like a Gentile. You perish just like the people that are without God. The promises of God have been given unto us for this purpose, that we might partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. And escape, and so that we don't have to be like the other Gentiles, like the people that are without God. If the doctors can't help them, they're hopeless. But we've got eternal life, and that is the confidence. But we cannot be ignorant or unaware of it because Romans 8 verse 10 says your spirit is life healing wholeness because of what righteousness because of that union and because of that the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body he can draw that power out of your spirit and distribute it throughout your body and drive out whatever sickness there might be but what happens if you're ignorant of it what happened if you, if you don't have an understanding, then you're just like the other Gentiles. So it says, don't allow that. Don't do that. Now, 
Next week, part four, is when we're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with purpose, live, um, purpose, live, live, eternal life, righteousness, and, we, and then we're going to look at the connection with this healing, divine health, and prosperity. All right, so make sure you get it next week. Come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. All right. Let's go, let's go. Actually, we touched this right at the beginning. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, 9 and 10, remember? The fact that before you were born again, in the realm of the spirit, God had already saved you, healed you, glorified you, perfected everything concerning you, had a holy call in your life, and given you purpose, and given you all the grace you could ever need. But then it came into manifestation at the appearing of Jesus. And then as that Christ inside of you begins to rise up, then what happened? Death becomes abolished. Immortality comes to light. Why? Because of the gospel, Christ in you. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. All right? Okay. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, the knowledge of these things, purpose, eternal life, righteousness, it's good. But it's not enough. Knowing it is not enough. My people, are, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth it's not the truth by itself. The truth that you know and apply. You've got to have action. Without action, it doesn't work. But you see, action begins in the imagination. Action begins in your thinking. As a man thinks in his heart. So you've got to develop the conscious awareness of these things. And then submit to them for them to become your experience. Alright? So... We're going to be going there for keys to develop this conscious awareness. But before that, let's just touch on righteousness just a little bit. The blessings, the provisions, and the grace are tied up to righteousness. The scripture says when you are born again, Jesus was made to be sin, and you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. What does the, how did that take place? What happened? Well, when you get born again, righteousness is the nature of God himself. And God took his nature and imparted it into your born-again spirit. So your born-again spirit is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's impregnated with the very nature of God. Amen? And um, so that by faith, <laughs> by faith, being impregnated with the nature of God, by faith, by faith, you can act like God. I didn't say you're God, but you can act like God. And especially when you come before the devil. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 that first of all it says back in verse 10, verse 9, the mystery. To make all men know what is the mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's their fellowship in that mystery? What is their part in this reality of Christ in you? What for? So that unto the principalities and powers would be made known by the church, that's you, the manifold wisdom and power of God. Because God... By his eternal plan had finished everything before the foundation of the world. But now that you are born again, Ephesians 3 verse 12. You've got boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Christ. Boldness and access to who? Well, to the throne of God, but where the devil is concerned. Where the devil is concerned that he's underneath your feet. In other words, then you can deal with the devil as if you were Jesus. That's why you have the name. That's why you have the name. In, the, in my name you shall what? Cast out devils. All power has been given unto me both in heaven and earth. Jesus says you go in my name. You see the devil cast them out. 
He's underneath your feet. So this righteousness imparts the nature of God into our hearts, makes us one with God in Christ, and gives us the authority of Christ. So we don't say, Jesus, I'm in trouble here. I, I got some situation. Could you come down and help me? Or could you come up? No, it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Jesus is right there in your heart. He's right here. You've got his life. You've got his nature. You speak to the mountain. Many times people will pray and it, it sounds nice and cute and wonderful. And we're going to probably talk about that next week. And they'll pray so sweetly to the Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord, you know, I've been dealing with this matter. And it's been so hard. Uh, and, you know, and your word says that you bore my sickness. You carried my infirmities. And, 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 uh, and, and, but I'm dealing with this pain. I'm dealing with this issue. You know, like, you know, and they begin to talk to God about it. God never said that you are to talk to him about a mountain. What did he say? He said, you talk to the mountain, and you, and you might sound good, but no, at some point, you better stop and say, no, get out of my body in the name of Jesus. I command you, go, I said. You got no right in my body. My body is the temple of the living God. You are evicted. I'm free from you. You got to talk to the mountain. That's the authority of righteousness. Are you with me? So there is the oneness, there is the authority, and then there is the fact that you are as a child of God, you are an heir of God, you are a joint heir with Christ, and you've got an inheritance. It's all yours. And then, of course, because of the power and authority of the blood, your sins are forgiven, it is remitted. God says, I have no record. They're all are forgiven. So there's no sins. If, there, if your sins are forgiven and God has removed it, then why are you sitting around with guilt? Why are you operating with condemnation? Why, where, where is the shame about Oh, but this happened in the past. Hey, it's dead. You dead. That old person that did whatever was happened is dead and gone, and that's not you. That's not you. So the reality of this righteousness is you are in right standing with God, and in the presence of God, it is as if sin has never been. You are pure, you are holy, you are blameless, and you're free from condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority. All right. Wonderful. So you are bold as a lion. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. And in the pathway of righteousness, there is no death, Proverbs 12, 28. That same power, that same healing power. And again, as I said, we're going to talk about that in the money part next week. All right. Now, having said all of that, this is where we need to go just as we begin, as we come in this last turn. I can just come in the wrong turn, just come in the wrong turn, come in the wrong turn. All right. Aren't you glad I'm not a pilot? <laughs> and you on my plane, that won't be good. <laughs> All right. The scripture says, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not. That means develop this conscious awareness to this righteousness. First John 5, 13 says that you are to, where John said, um, you know, do you believe in the name of the Son of God? That you might know you have eternal life. In other words, develop this awareness. You've got to become aware of this eternal life, of the purpose, and of righteousness. Because if you don't, it's like you haven't left the station. Are you with me? You, have, you, you cannot have what you, you, you... Okay, let's move on. Four keys to develop that conscious awareness. Number one, and I believe this is perhaps the most important one. Meditation. Meditation. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate day and, day and night. 
so that you could observe to do according to what is written therein, and then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Joshua 1 that's a big one. So here is the deal, very quickly. Meditation, when you meditate on the word, when you meditate on certain truths, the meditation will bring revelation. When revelation comes, I can see it now. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Yes. All right. So <laughs> meditation will bring what? Revelation. And then revelation will give you the motivation to do what? Take action. And then action is what produces the fruit. All right. Step one. No, no, no. Okay, step one. I want to deal with this. I need to get develop this consciousness that God is inside of me. He's living inside of me. I, I mean, when I become so aware that God lives here, he lives here, he lives here, he lives here, greater is he that is in me, then I'm not going to be saying, oh, Lord, I, 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 Lord, I got to preach today. Lord, help me. Lord, please go with me. What? Go with you? What do you mean go with you? What happened? When did he leave? He said he never leave me. He never forsake me. He lives on the inside of you. What are you doing praying a prayer like that? But that's what religion, and it will sound so humble. Anyway, I don't have time for that. The point of the matter is, when you, you need to develop that conscious awareness. So I need to develop the conscious awareness of eternal life, the life of God inside of me, and, and, and so on. What do I do? I gather up a couple of scriptures, and I meditate on it. I first gather up the scriptures. Now, I'm going to use, I'm just talking about eternal life, uh, um, righteousness, and, 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 and purpose, because I think these are the main ones. But you can use it on any subject, any other area. You gather up the scriptures first. You don't have to have 15 scriptures. Just five. Five is enough. Sometimes even one. There's a verse of scripture the Lord spoke to me today that I need to meditate on. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it for one week. Right? One verse, and it's one verse. Amen? Like I always say to folks sometimes, you don't have, you only need one verse to produce. Do you know that? By his stripes here, I am, I am healed. That one verse, if that verse produces after its kind, you're, it's done. This problem is done. So I'm not saying you got a whole bunch of verses. Yes, you need a mind renewed, but I'm talking here about this, developing this consciousness. So you get a couple of scriptures, act number one, and then what do you do? Um, like, let's say it's on purpose, eternal life, whatever the case is, that's number one. You get the scriptures. Number two, then you begin to meditate on them. How do you meditate on them? Method number one thing is, is to consider it, ponder it, study it, study it, study it, study it. The, the same spirit that raised up, that, that I have eternal life. After I have eternal life. This eternal life is, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they might know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This intimacy, this oneness, you meditate, you study, you study, you study, you ponder, you think about it, you think about it. No new thought is coming. Still keep thinking about it. Keep rolling it around in your mind. That's, part, that's one part. Another aspect of meditating is, is I'm um, breathing it, breathe it, speak it under your breath, speak, mutter it. By, I mean, um, God lives inside of me. God lives inside of me. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. Oh, the authority, the authority, the same authority Jesus has is mine. I've got that authority. I've got that authority. That authority is in me. That life is in me. That power is in me. Just muttering it, just muttering it. And then number three, and this is what I want to impress you the most is using your imagination. Visualize it. Imagine it. Use your imagination on purpose. 
on purpose. The problem with the Gentiles, and unfortunately with many people, and I am going to be teaching on this extensively in a few weeks, on this just the subject of imagination. But one of the problems is our imagination wander off. Our imagination is created by, uh, by other stuff. By the stuff we see on television. By what somebody else thinks. It, it, and it comes from a whole. So as a result of that, it, there is no focus. And then the wrong stuff gets built. And God knows that. We, when we dig it in, you will see God knows that. And that's why the scripture says, God says he knows our frame. In other words, and he knows how our imagination is. He knows the weakness and the vulnerability that we have. And thank God he didn't leave us there. He's given us the book. <laughs> and he's given us the Holy Ghost. Amen? But it will not do any good if you don't use it right. Anyway, say imagination. Now, just in a tiny little nutshell, the importance of imagination, using imagination... And please look it up. I don't have the time. Genesis chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Where the, the, the people in wherever it was decided they were going to build this tower that was going to go all the way up to God. Was going to go all the way up to heaven. Because God had said, I'm going to, uh, God told them to, to, uh, to, to, to spread out and to cover the whole earth. They decided, we don't want to do that. We want to all stay here. So let's build this high tower so that wherever you are, we could come back and we could meet around this little tower here. And God saw it, and God said, wait a minute, is that right? Is that right? And God, he said, all right, let me go down and see what they're doing. God come down and said, oh, oh. Now listen to what God said. God says, I need to put a stop to this. Because if I don't put a stop to this, Genesis 11, 5 and 6, whatever they imagine is going to come to pass, is going to happen. I mean, people imagine going to the moon. You know, man has gone to the moon. Whatever they imagine, God says, uh, 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 uh. God respected the power of their imagination to stop the plan that he had for man to cover the whole earth. And God said, you know what God did? God said, I'm confused the language. Babel, now they can't understand one another. And then, 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 then they spread out. <laughs> they did. <laughs> but the point of the matter is the power of imagination. Now, when that imagination is used constructively and properly, then, and it is used strategically in line with the word of God, and it's fed the right information, then it's a powerful thing. The reason why you need the scriptures is so because the imagination is going to be formed by the words and the truths that, are, that, it, that it is given. Dog. Big dog with black spots, Dalmatian, three-legged dog, short tail, no tail. You get in an image. What? Where's the image coming from? It's the words. It's the words. It's the words. You look at you. You ever seen these commercials? Where they're advertising some some particular medical thing and some this 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 medication or whatever it is, and then they'll, then they'll start giving you the side effects. Right? You know, and if you see some of this, don't take this without a physician. And man, when you listen to those side effects, man, man, that stuff could make you sick. <laughs> Just listening to it. Why? Because it's feeding your imagination. God says, look, your imagination has such power and potential. Don't 
think about anything except what is true, what is pure, what is just, what is lovely. Think on these things. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so shall he be. It, it says in Proverbs 4.23 that your thoughts, um, be careful how you think. Because a man's thought, a man's life is shaped by his thoughts. Amen? All right. So imagination is a powerful thing, but it must be used correctly. Imagination is the ability to see with the mind what you cannot see with the eyes. The ability to see what is not yet present. It's not present. To see what is not yet present. Imagination is necessary for faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. But faith sees. How is faith going to see? True faith, we, um, uh, what, what does it say? We look not at the things that are seen. How are you looking to something that you can't see? We look not at the things that are seen, but how? Imagination. Imagination. The woman with the issue of blood, she saw it. If I could touch the hammer, she imagined it. Blind Bartimaeus, same thing. And they try to stop him. He said, I want to touch Jesus is going by, man. I've been blind for a long time. I think I'm going to come out. Hey, uh, hey, stop, Jesus. Son of the, stop. Tell him, shut up, shut up, shut up. Get away, get it. He said, no, I'm not going to shut up. Are you kidding me? This is my, Jesus. And he began to call out, why? What was driving him? He could have just seen it in his mind that if I could just get Jesus to stop and come deal with me, I could see. And when Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. He had a beggar's coat. He dropped the coat. You know why? I'm not going to need this anymore. He believed he received his healing before he had it. The woman with the issue of blood, same thing. The people, the guys, friends that climbed up the roof to let their friend in the presence of Jesus. You think they didn't figure out? Didn't they have an, an image in their mind before they start climbing? If we could get him in front of Jesus. Peter, Peter didn't step out on that boat without a thought. <laughs> Peter thought, Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. In other words, Jesus, if it's you, tell me, and I'm going to walk out on this water. He saw it before he did it. And he would have kept on walking if he didn't take his eyes off Jesus. What is my point? Imagination. Faith is the evidence of the things not seen. If you can't see it, you can't have it. Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12. God says, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? Tell me what you see. And then Jeremiah mentioned what he see in Jeremiah 1, 11. He, and he, Jeremiah 1, 12. God says, you are well seen. I will hasten my word to perform. To perform what? What you saw. Because what you saw is what God wanted you to see. It says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to sit upon my wall on the wall. And I'm going to sit there until I can see what he says. What do you mean you're going to see what he said? In other words, I thought I'm just supposed to hear what he said. No, until I can see what he said. I got to see what he said. His words have got to create an image in my mind. You know why God in his mercy gives us dreams? So that we can see before we see. And that is why you don't ignore dreams if it is from God. I'm not saying every dream is from God, but God gives you dreams and visions so you can see. Well, you don't have to wait on a dream. This is why he gave you a book here. 
you can get this word and you can paint a picture and you can see what the word of God says and move into faith. Hallelujah. Abraham had some difficulty for 20 something years. And as I said, we can get into that in, in, in some detail in a little while, in a couple of weeks. But Abraham had a difficulty. And God said to Abraham, look, I got to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. And God says, walk through the land. Look, walk through the land. And as far as you can walk, as far as you can see, I'm going to give it to you. But listen to it. God says, whatever you can see, I will give it to you. He didn't say, what you can see, I have given to you. No. He says, when you see it, then you're going to get it. And that's, that wasn't enough. He said later on, chapter 15, God says, Abraham is saying, God, but I have no child. I have no child. I have no child. God says, come on, come on, come on. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Let's go outside. I think it was nighttime. <laughs> God says, look up there. Can you count the stars? Come, 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 come. And then he loses count. God says, you're going to have more children than those stars that you can see. What, what was God doing? And, and, and he said, God said, you're going to have that. But God was affecting his mind, his imagination. Later on, as time went by, man, every time he go out at night and he look up those stars, what is he seeing? Babies, 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 babies. Father of many nations. When he walk and all of a sudden, you got to get that sand out of his, from, from between his toes, he's, he's thinking, oh man, more than the sands, the, 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 more than the grains of sand, I'm going to have kids. Image, image, image. Now, unfortunately, that works negatively. But again, when it is used positively in line with the word of God, then what happens? That's when, that's, that's, that, then, all, then a whole lot of stuff begins to be possible. This is an element of meditation. It says in Psalms 2 and verse 1, and it uses the word imagine. is the exact same word as is used to, to meditate. Amen? But you got, so I'm saying you be intentional. And it, you got to be focused. It says in Matthew 6, verse 22, that when a man's eye is focused, when a man's eye is focused, when he's, he's focused on the light, his whole body will be full of light. Well, I'm telling you, your whole body full of light, light speaks about healing. Light speaks about wholeness. Light speaks about the power and the very life of God. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. He that live followed after me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. When God said, let there be light, and then he created all that stuff in creation, there was no sun or moon. It's more than this kind of light. It's the very life and power of God. The nature of God. The glory of God. He that, so it says if a man's eye is single, he will be what? His whole body will be full of light. You think any sickness is going to stay? How can it? It's impossible. But, 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 but where is this? What is this? What's happening here? Meditation. This is why Jesus would say, man, look. Just, and this is, that was Matthew 6, 22. He's going to go on and say, look here, just, just relax. Relax. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. And uh, hey, just go after that kingdom of God and righteousness operating in this oneness. Just do that and all this stuff is going to be added on to you. Amen? But you got to be intentional. You got to be intentional. I'm going to wrap this up. So regarding meditation, so, so, um, 
How do you develop this conscious awareness? Number one, meditation. Three elements to meditation. One, study, ponder, and, and so on. Think on it. Second, mutter it on their breath. Thirdly, visualize it. Use the imagination. All right? But then the next thing that will help you to develop that conscious awareness of eternal life, righteousness, and purpose. Now, it's on any area, but I'm, those are the ones that I'm saying you meditate on. Second one is prayer. But by prayer, now, this is very significant. Remember I said, first of all, to start out with, you need to get a couple of scriptures. And these are the scriptures you're going to meditate on, that you're going to mutter, that you're going to think on, that you're going to visualize, all right, that you're going to ponder, that you're going to study. Okay. Well, similarly, you take those same scriptures now on eternal life, on righteousness, on, on, on purpose, and you take them and you plug it into the arena of prayer. You say, why the arena of prayer? There is something absolutely marvelous about the realm of prayer. When you get into the realm of prayer, it's like you get into a closet with God. You get into a, a closet with God who's a consuming fire. <laughs> Amen? And here you are now, in the presence of God, what you're going to do is that you're going to communicate with him. You're going to make the word of God the thing between you. The scripture says in Hosea 14, and I believe verse 2, God says, come to me, come to me and bring words. So you're in the presence of God, and, 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 and you're now going to break these same scriptures in his presence. What happens when you do that is that when you take a hot iron, Right? And you just, and you, you know, that stuff don't exist anymore. But you can get a particular, you can get something. Um, 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 we used to have these stickers when I was growing up. Right? And I used to take them, I used to put them on your shirt. Right? And you get a hot iron and you press it on. Today they have tattoos. But anyway, and you, and you just use a hot iron and you, man, that stuff gets plastered on there. Well, that's what happens with the word of God when you, when you, when you interact with God around the word in his presence. It will become pressed into you. It can become engrafted into you. And when you do that over a period of time. So you come in the presence of God and you talk about the righteousness. You talk to him about the scriptures regarding eternal life or whatever the case might be. And you, and when I say you talk to him, let me tell you what you do. You fellowship with him around that word. You fellowship with him around that word. Now here is what you do not do. There are different kinds of prayer, but you do not go into the presence of God with, with, with a petition and begging and pleading and crying. This is not a place for that. This is not, a, you know, you're not there saying, asking God to do this and to do that. No, you are here acknowledging. You are here saying, Lord, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. Oh, that my spirit is pregnant with your life. Greater you, greater you, you in me. You can ask him to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and so on. But you're not there saying, oh God, oh God, Lord, oh Father God, that life, oh God, I need to know. Lord, don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is not a place for that. And then here's another thing. You fellowship with God around the word. And here's another thing you do which is related to prayer. Legislation. What do you mean legislation? You decide I'm going to make law. I'm going to, what do you mean you're going to make law? Well, I'm going to decree a thing. And it shall be established. So while you're in there and you're fellowshipping with God in the presence of God, you might declare that the same spirit that we, you can, you can declare, man, your divine healing power flows in every joint of my body. Lord, I want to thank you and I declare right now that my days of being sickness, of sickness is over forever. That's a good thing to declare. Lord, I pray and I be, I'm believing God that I'm never going to need a miracle. But I'm going to declare right now that, Lord, if I ever need a miracle... I'm going to get it from you. 
Why? Because I, we were just talking about, about Galatians 3 verse 5. That the Holy Ghost, he performs miracles, but he does it by the works of the Lord. No, by the hearing of faith. So Holy Spirit, I just want to put, put a notification out there right now. That if I ever need a miracle, you're going to perform one for me. That's a good thing to have in place, just in case you ever needed it. Are you with me? So, no, that's an element of prayer. Job 22, 28 says, you shall decree a thing. My children shall, 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 shall be for signs and wonders before God. My, my, the seed, my seed is blessed. No evil shall befall me. God has given his angels charge over me. And they keep me in all of my ways. A thousand might fall over me, but it's not. You declare certain things. The Lord is my shepherd I'm not going to want. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, I, will, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. The Lord is my source. The Lord, oh Lord God, I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. You are my shepherd and I shall not want. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking But you do that with what? The words that you're trying to build into your spirit. Amen? All right. One more. Confess. Confessing the word, which is, is, is pretty close. It, confession is part of meditating. But you, you get those scriptures and you confess them. You confess them. Right? You just speak them. Why? Because with the mouth, confession is made onto manifestation. You see, here's the thing. You got an inner ear and you got an outer ear. Remember the first time you heard yourself on tape? You ever? Sound weird, isn't it? <laughs> right? You think, oh, you almost felt ashamed because you didn't know you sound like that. But here is something that God has designed you so that, you see, that so that, that, that when you are speaking and you have that in and outer ear working, the, it says in Psalms 85, 45 and verse 1, that your tongue is like a pen of a ready writer. And Proverbs 3 verse 3 says, it writes on the tablet of your heart. So your tongue is writing on my, I'm you writing on your heart. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, glory to God. I have the same authority that Jesus has. It belongs to me. Demons are subject to me in the name of Jesus. So you writing that stuff on your heart. And the next thing you know, you're in a situation. And now a demon try to manifest to cause a problem. But you've already inscribed it in your heart. You've already meditated on this. And then here you are, and all of a sudden, boom, this demonic stuff happened. But that stuff is already there. What are you going to do? You already know. It's already been engrafted that demons are subject to you in the name of Jesus. So you're just going to say, get! I bind you. I command you. Go from me in the name of Jesus. You wake up in the middle of the night and you find this, some weird creature is tormenting you and, 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 and you, can, you could hardly breathe or something happening and, and, and you know it's not right. What do you do? You know that word. So now you just speak Jesus and that's it. And that Jesus that you're speaking is not, is not one of, uh, there's faith connected with it. All right, that's it. So that's number three. Confessing, confessing, confessing. And number four, taking communion. And this is somewhat optional. The reason I say taking communion over these same verses of scriptures is for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you take communion, you're already in an act of obedience. Why? Because Jesus says, do this in what? Remembrance. What does remembrance mean? Bring it to the forefront of your thinking. 
So when you, when you decide to have communion over those verses, you are acting, you are taking a physical, spiritual action on those verses of scripture and bringing them to the forefront of your thinking. Right? So, um, and, and in communion, so it's obedience involved. Communion is also you proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. You're proclaiming the oneness. You are proclaiming the union that I and him are one. I and him and he and me that we are one. The common union. Those are the stuff that are involved in, commun in communion. You're declaring the body, the blood, the sacrifice in conjunction with the purposes of God. The eternal life and righteousness. Are you with me? And that's just, as I said, you don't have to do that. But the first three you need to do. The first fourth one is, is optional. If you're real, real, real serious and you want to get some quicker results, then go have communion every day over those particular verses of Scripture. What are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that, yes, here it is, right? Purpose, eternal life, righteousness. But now, it's nice to study and to know all about these things, and you need to. Because knowing about them gives you the information with which you can feed into your imagination. But then, then how do you develop that awareness? You get, the, you get a number of scriptures together, and then you go to work. You go to work how? Meditating on it. For making it a matter of prayer. Confessing it. And then from time to time, add communion to it. But don't just let it be by chance. You got you to you make a plan and keep yourself accountable. You got to decide maybe, I'm going to do this every morning before I get out of bed. Right? Communion in bed. <laughs> <laughs> or you might decide, you, maybe, maybe you might decide, you know what, this meditation <laughs> and so on, I'm going to do it when I'm, in the, when I'm in the washroom. Washroom is good, you know why? You're generally there by yourself. And don't take your phone in the washroom. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm getting a signal, watch it, don't go too far. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> but anyway, seriously though. Right? In other words, you got to plan this stuff. It's not going to just happen. You got to decide, well, I'm going to do it in the morning or at night. This. Make a plan, execute your plan, and especially in the area where it is important, where I need to get some results in this area. Amen? And then go for it. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Spirit of the living God, bring it to their remembrance. The things that they need to know and that they, that they need to take away from this message today. And I pray that you would grant them grace to walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, until we meet next week, stay strong, stay blessed. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to go to part four, purpose, eternal life, and righteousness, but we're going to connect it with divine healing and health and prosperity. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever.